Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. episode 17 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. On today's show, I am joined by radio DJ and podcaster Benny Mack, and we are going to take a look back at the Armageddon 2000 pay-per-view, broadcast 20 years ago on the date of the release of this podcast. A brilliant six-man main event uh, inside Hell in a Cell for the WWF World Championship. Um, but maybe a slightly weak undercard. It's a great discussion with Ben. I really hope you enjoy it. As I hope you've been enjoying uh, my new show that I work on alongside Mags um, called Chain Wrestling. Episode 1 is now out and available via the Visionaries Global Media Group. Um, Episode 2 is coming this week also. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, Your feedback is really, really valued. You can find Chain Wrestling at Chain underscore Wrestling on Twitter, um, where you'll also find my Twitter at SJP Words and the Twitter of my co-host, Mags, at DEJ Kirkby. Chuck the new show a follow and let us know what you think. Vote in the polls when they pop up online. Um, Yeah, and your feedback on that show is really valued, as is the feedback on this show. I look for any suggestions on guests, topics, any events you want covering, anything at all. And you can contact this show um, at SJP Wrestling Pod on Facebook, Twitter, uh, there's an Instagram as well. Uh, Feel free to reach out, let me know what you like, what you dislike um, with regards to this wrestling podcast. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. That's all the all the details I need to hand out for today. Um, here's my discussion with Benny Mac about the WWF pay-per-view Armageddon 2000. Thank you for listening. Ben from the Benny Mac Show. How are we doing, sir? Uh, thank you very much. I, I'm great, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. How are things? You've uh, recently... Um, well, I suppose a, a new show or restarting something you were doing previously. Uh, how, how's all that going? Oh, well, um, for obviously anybody that knows who've listened in the past, it's going well to answer your question. Um, obviously, if I've tried to do different shows in a sense of one is just purely about wrestling, one is just purely about gaming, one is just banter in, in its suppose. So um, I've been doing it for probably about seven, eight years. I think I worked it out too, actually. So, you know, maybe even nine, I'm not sure. But quite a while then yeah yeah so it's kind of a an amalgamation which is a very big word and i had my word of the day toilet paper today um (laughs) of all the things i've kind of done like so so i suppose my podcast is more of a variety show i guess is the best way of saying it but it's not i don't like i love wrestling i love gaming um i love movies and all this other stuff but um 
obviously there's other things going on in the world as well <laughs> apart from those things so it's good to be able to open it up to other people and hopefully uh you know chat to from people from different walks of life and hopefully entertain listeners and people because i've also released a patreon as well so um, i'm doing videos for that so anybody who's follows me on patreon can get like early access to the shows uh, so okay, videos yeah. and even ad free as um some of you probably listen to my show it's available on like itunes and all the other spotify and all that kind of stuff but it does have adverts in now if you're like me that helps me obviously you do listen to it i appreciate it but if you want to be able to just listen to it uninterrupted and like some extras then patreon's the way to go yeah yeah and i mean i was looking at your patreon um last night actually and it's it's all very affordable very reasonable i mean it's uh, i think it starts at what three pound a month isn't it I've recently changed it so um because initially I went for like three tiers is what they suggest. Okay. But basically for the whole lot three pound. Well month, there you go. Basically. I mean three pound a month, what's that? You, you can't even get a pint for that anymore. Well there you go, yeah. God you I know? remember paying for about two pounds seventy for a pint, so we're going back a bit, but uh <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's good to I think it's, I'm trying to go, I think the next year at least, I've been doing it for a long time. I've never, not that it's about making money, but I'd love to be able to turn it into a, a job rather than a hobby. So a, a hobby, a jobby, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's, <laughs> um, it's just something we all like doing. And, it's, you know, I'd rather do that than a nine to five if I can. But obviously, I've still got to do that. So, yeah, no, I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from. Uh, before we um, sort of progress any further, just a sort of clarification for anybody listening. Um, those who have listened to the show previously are aware that um, sometimes where I sit to try and record my show whilst I'm sort of trying to build somewhere more suitable in my garden, I get sort of little cameos occasionally from my uh, <laughs> stupid ginger cat and so on. Um, today, I'm actually in a different room of the house trying something different. So if I sound different or if there's any uh, technical issues, please bear with me. I'm very much experimenting today, but as far as I can tell so far, we're going okay. And hopefully I'll get no more run-ins from, from Lemmy, my cat, being a nuisance and deciding he wants to stand on the laptop or right in my face as we're trying to record. Hopefully that'll be avoided. Well, your um, dog, uh, your dog Ronnie, did make an appearance in uh, my show when you came on mine. So he did, yes, he did. Yeah, the little bugger. There we go. <laughs> okay, I mean, um, you say about your show being about a, a variety of topics and discussing things that you're passionate about uh, um, with regards to n- not just wrestling but gaming and so on. Um, I'm a lot more sort of tunnel vision uh, because I, I, I'm purely not intelligent enough to do that. I've very much got one interest, and that is the wrestling. That's all. I, that's all I think I know about. There's so... nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I wasn't trying to like alienate anybody. That's nothing no, wrong no, with that. No, no, of course. You know? No, no, definitely not. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. No worries. Well, you know what the world's like these days. You got to be careful what you say, and oh, yeah, just yeah. by talking, you can offend somebody without even realizing it. Let's face it. I think I probably do that on a daily basis without realizing. To be fair, but. Um, so, f- from a wrestling standpoint, then, um, just before we get into today's topic, uh, w- w- what is your kind of background in wrestling? Then, I suppose your preferences. Um, do you watch? I mean, we're covering a show today from from twenty years ago. Um, but do you watch the modern product still? I. It's been hard. This yes is a short answer. It's been hard in twenty twenty to watch any kind of wrestling um purely because of no crowds i'm very much about the crowd and yeah the reactions i mean obviously not long ago we saw undertaker retire sad um great memories from his career um since i've been watching obviously people have been watching long i, I started in 2000 uh, like really into it in 2000 so good uh, kind of tail end of the attitude attitude era really mm-hmm. so 
So my first experience with The Undertaker was actually Judgment Day 2000. But like with no crowd there with his speech, it felt a bit flat, unfortunately. But at the same time, it was really well done. Um, and he, he'll whether he still dibs in and out, I don't know. But um, he will be missed. And he's left some great matches, great memories and great moments behind him. So, um, but yeah, it's been hard to watch. I mean, I mean, probably really, I did watch Survivor Series. I actually enjoyed that. Um, you know, I can't think of any. I think Drew Roman was actually a lot better than I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, yeah me. Um, uh, so I enjoyed that. I feel sorry for Drew McIntyre and all of them, really. But Drew McIntyre winning the title at Mania, which ended up being in front of a well, no audience, and barely any sound. And it was cool to see, especially the pop that he got at Royal Rumble, just gone, um, was mm. fantastic. That whole Rumble, I think I said to you, off air the first time in several years that the Royal Rumble felt right as in like the right person won the way they did it was spot on I don't think you could change anything Edge's return obviously was freaking fantastic oh Um, moment of the year for me moment of the year 100% Um, I heard maybe a year prior that there was talk about him possibly getting involved with wrestling again but I did not expect him to be returning to the ring so remembering back in what was it 2011 when he retired was a tear in eye moment, much like Daniel oh, Bryan you know, at the time. Um, so yeah, it's uh, so yes, I, I will admit. So probably the last few years, it's more of a dip in and out. Although back in 2016, I was fully invested, but I think it's more pay per views I watch now rather than actually. I'd, I'll dib into Raws and Smackdowns on the other occasion, but I got very much into NXT from probably 2017 to about 2019. Uh, the American NXT, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Some great matches. Gargano and Champa and freaking Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream was probably my favorite um, rivalry they had. They ended up, I think it was, I don't want to say War Games was the first War Games NXT did. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that's a long answer to a short question, really. No, no, I mean, excellent. The more information we get, as far as I'm concerned, I, I like it when people sort of elaborate on what they're talking about <laughs> um get get more of an idea of the person we're meeting today if that makes sense yeah i mean 2000 i got introduced to it it was about 15 16 to a, I, the first event i remember fully watching was the raw rumble that year which was the 2000 which ended up being crazy i could have done without may young flashing and not then not getting the x <laughs> over the screen but um, i think the whole world could have done without that well, yes, with the yes, I agree. But, uh, you know, she's a legend in herself. I don't think she helped herself there. But um, it's, you know, seeing like uh, Cactus Jack and Triple H going at it in that street fight was, at the time, even now, actually, it's still a good match. But I'm like, in the Triple H with that uh, wood in his leg and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? Yeah, that was insane. Because um, I had been exposed to wrestling prior to this, but it, I, um, like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that, didn't really resonate with me because WWF was the only thing I really saw. Um, a neighbor brought like a VHS tape round and it was Hulk Hogan's best off, which after about two matches, cause it was literally him winning every match. So yeah. after about two, three matches, I was like, okay, like I, the I, best it, of Hulkamania or something, something like that. Vision, I don't something know. Like I, that. Yes. Yeah, a, I have no idea. There was a few of them, wasn't there? Yeah. And then like his matches, um, against random people that I didn't know. I mean, looking back, I think I remember seeing a match, uh, with him and Randy Savage. No, obviously getting into wrestling in 2000 and people going, Oh, you should watch this and you should watch that. And then I got to know all these other guys uh, from like the taker. Cause again, I hadn't seen taker yet. Um, so I saw the Hal in the cell, um, 98 King, uh, not, yeah, King of the ring 98. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I saw that in 2000. So I'm like, you know, several years removed from the fact, but I, my mind was blown by that as well. 
then I saw Shawn Michaels um, uh, Undertaker Hal in a Cell, which was still a good match but after watching Mankind's match I was like how can they ever do anything better than that yeah. at the time, you know? So Yeah, and I think they've searched, haven't they? They've got well as we'll as we'll probably talk about when we get to the main event of this show. They'll um they've kind of searched for that moment in maybe a safer way, potentially, or something that stands out like that. Because I mean it's such a it's such a incredible iconic image or clip of um Mick Foley flying through the air and hitting the table and then going through the cage for the second bump and so on. It's it's so iconic and it is still played every day um somewhere in wrestling now whether it's on on youtube or, or different pages sharing it it's it's such a huge moment i think that even though the stories of that huge crazy bun that foley took backstage on mcmahon sort of said don't you ever do this again and so on um i think still deep down because it was so iconic you can see in later hell in the cell matches they're still looking for another big moment similar i guess yeah, don't do that again. But here's a big paycheck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's obviously they would safety first. You know, obviously, the in retrospect, looking back, it's easy to have like what they say, visions twenty twenty. When you look back, why didn't they replace the cage? Why didn't they reinforce the cage from the year before? You know, from the Michaels take a oh. match. You know, because they didn't. Which is why, what by all accounts. Um, some people cable tied a few th- struts together, and, which, you know, a cable tie would keep it there. But when you throw, like, whatever Mick Foley weighed at the time on top of it, on a mesh that's fairly thin, it's bad things are going to happen. Um, but made some yeah. iconic clips, wrestling moment, and unfortunately did shorten Mick Foley's career. But what a freaking career he had before that moment anyway, because there's a lot he did before he did um, Hell in a Cell and after actually you know with Edge at Wrestlemania in that street fight they had in uh, was that Wrestlemania 22 I think so um, it's not like he didn't do anything after but yeah <laughs> looking back at it maybe reinforce the cage before you have the next guys go yeah, on just, just an insane bump but I mean he was, he was doing that silly crazy stuff maybe not as spectacular but when you watch it back with those adult eyes I guess you see certain bumps he took in WCW falling on the concrete from the apron and things like that and you just think oh, oh my because yeah. there was no mats for a certain time in WCW and it was just and you watch it now and you hear the thud and it's just kind of sickening um, the guy's absolutely off his head let's be honest he got, his nose <laughs> broke. he got his nose broken for a match didn't he I think and he didn't even get shown I believe for a WCW uh, I, match I imagine I that would have been with Vader I and mean, he and Vader had some absolute stormers I'd pass um, I think you might be right <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a match that he had with Vader, I believe, Halloween Havoc 93, which I um, am covering. Well, I say I'm covering. It's, it's already recorded. It'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, he effectively asked Vader to um, bust him open hard way, I suppose, is the term used. And there's, there's, a, there's a scene or a clip of the match or a moment of the match where Foley is in the corner, Cactus Jack is in the corner, and Vader's doing his his very stiff short arm punches that he did in pretty much every match. But you can see him really working above um, one of Foley's eyes and literally just busting him open right in front of the camera. And it's, again, it's an incredible moment when you look back, but perhaps it's a good thing that wrestling isn't like that anymore. If, if you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. But it also shows a guy willing to like for his craft, put himself on the line to entertain really which yeah. some people are either fair play to him which i do have respect obviously but some of the people would be like what are you doing <laughs> seriously yeah definitely <laughs> definitely okay um shall we go back 20 years and take a look at the pay-per-view that uh, we've chosen to discuss today
Yeah, I think this time machine's ready to go. It's all juiced up, as they say. Excellent stuff. Okay. Um, today, obviously, as, as everyone aware, who's press play is already aware, we're going back 20 years to Armageddon 2000. Um, originally broadcast 20 years to the day this is coming. This podcast is coming out, December the 10th, 2000, uh, from Birmingham, Alabama, the Jefferson Civic Center in Birmingham there. There was just over 14,900 people there. Um, by comparison, that's around 800 or so less than the previous year's Armageddon, but they took over $170,000 more on the gate. So I'm sure missing a few people isn't going to hurt their feelings when they're making extra money. The <laughs> WWF at this time was absolutely red hot. Um, the main event scene, as as you'll hear shortly when me and Ben discuss the main event of this show, was full of talent. We're building up to War Rumble 2001, one of the most, um, I think, one of the greatest Raw Rumbles of all time, which of uh, course then... Hands, sorry, down, my fa- hands down, my favourite Raw Rumble is 2001. Yes, a fantastic show. Absolutely fantastic show. And that, of course, leads into what many people believe being the greatest WrestleMania of all time, which is WrestleMania 7. And I suppose the end of the Attitude Era around this time, um, Austin turning heel at 17, joining up with McMahon, WCW um, has gone the previous Monday before WrestleMania 17. So this is very much the very much the trail end of what I suppose a lot of people look back on and say was the Attitude Era. Um, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll just get straight on and start with the opener, shall we? And the first match you see on the show, well, sorry, the opener, we'll, we'll talk about the actual show open, I suppose. Um, WWF, when it does these little video packages with regards to images and footage of their competitors and certain music and so on, nobody does it better than them. To me, this is a brilliant intro, a brilliant show open. The, the the sort of eerie music playing behind, and just absolutely fantastic open to the show. How how did you find that? Well, the music actually, as soon as I heard the uh, the end the end is here or whatever it's called, yep. I, I'm assuming it's I think it's a Jim Johnson uh, thing as well, but um, more than likely is WWF at the time. But um, uh, they actually used it for the Survivor Series 2001 during the you know the uh, Survivor Series match between the Alliance and WWF at the time. Yeah, so that's that, right. The, um, that took me straight back to that. To be honest, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's funny you bring that up. I did a show with uh, the magnificent Matt Willis, as he's referred to on Twitter, um, covering Survivor Series 2001. Um, and he actually said the same thing, but the other way around. It was, oh, well, they used the Armageddon music for that show. Obviously, yeah. this one, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it, it's but it is a very again, I suppose it's it's quite a symbolic piece of music when it's yeah. got these wrestling memories attached to it. Yes, um, I mean, a funny little story about that is that I think this show originally in this in the UK at least was on Channel Four, so it was actually on delay by about fifty five minutes. So then it actually so they could obviously Channel Four could edit anything they didn't want to show. Now I'd set a VCR at the time. <laughs> Right. Forgot to change it to long play, and it was oh, on short no. play. So I didn't actually see the uh, Armageddon Howland Sal match, and um, probably till a few years later, to be honest, or until it came out. On, I think maybe a mate lent me the VHS tape or whatever it was at the time. But um, I remember that being <laughs> on Channel Four. So um, I, that's a little anecdote there. But uh, <laughs> I remember being so because it actually got to I think uh, the second to the last match, and I think I think it may have recorded it. It was about to start. The, it did the little promo video 
building yeah. up to the match and then it cut off and I could I was like no it was oh man so rewatching the whole show because I'd forgotten most of it but um yeah that a uh, little bit bitter on that side of it <laughs> I can fully understand yeah definitely I mean that's, that's going back to a different era isn't it VHS tapes and short play and long play and how you just not pressing that one little button to change it from SP to LP on the screen yeah. can can completely destroy you know the length of recording you're getting I guess that's terrible um, I mean you, you mentioned there about forgetting a great deal of the show I'm going to be uh, completely honest here I, I watched this show back probably for the first time I, I don't know years and years may, may even be since the first time in 20 years I'm not 100% sure but it's been a long time um, the main event stands out for obvious reasons yeah the rest of the show I did remember I couldn't remember a single thing and as each match was happening, I was like, "Ah, oh, right, okay. Ah, oh, right, okay." Uh, not even, not even the last man standing match, which we'll come to shortly, yeah. stuck out in my memory that the whole undercard I had completely forgotten happened. It just shows that the uh, main event, kind of like if done, or the hype of it at least, was more, uh, pre- uh, you know, in our fourth, in our minds, basically, is what I'm trying to say, yeah. rather than everything else. So sometimes a uh, match does steal the show, I guess. <laughs> or, yeah, definitely. Having said that, if you look back at King of the Ring 98, now we talked about it already briefly, but Taker versus Mankind, the only other match I know that happened on that card was the main event was uh, Steve Austin and Kane, which was the first blood match, which was yes. intertwined with the, that match anyway. So that's the only reason why I really remember. I couldn't tell you any other matches on that card. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But, it is, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, to, to jog people's memories, I guess, if they're in the same boat as ours, the opener was um, the Radicals, which is Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Perry Saturn, accompanied by Terry, um, coming up against Team Extreme, which is obviously Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, and Lita, in uh, an intergender elimination match. And all this stems from Dean Malenko, who at the time was the light heavyweight champion. Um, it, in, in looking back with modern eyes, acting incredibly inappropriately with Lita. <laughs> yes, well, considering the dude's supposed to be married as well in the whole story, actually acknowledged exactly. he was married in the storyline. He basically extorted a date yep. <laughs> out of her, basically. Yeah, def- yeah, yeah, very awkward. Um, <laughs> won this date, or as you said, you know, got this date with Lita, and then the lights are turned off in the bedroom while she's there dressed um, very scantily. Turn the lights back on. Matt Hardy's there. He attacks Dimalenko, and it kind of leads to, to to furthering this this feud a bit a bit more into Armageddon for this match. Yeah. Um, one thing about that little segment, the little the little sort of video catch up, the look back they play. It, not only is it odd the whole scenario, but obviously it's done. It's an entertainment show. It's done for TV purposes. But it, the first thing that popped in my head was, okay, there's Lita dressed very scantily as I said there's Dimalenko in the bed and they got a whole film crew in the room with them well yeah you know that <laughs> I don't know why that stood out to me on this occasion no, you can't like, you, no, sorry, you can't do that you can't break the illusion we, when they're talking secretively about plans they're going to do before they beat somebody up on a match you know yeah. we, we have to ignore the fact that there's a camera crew there alright you have to buy into it <laughs> and you'd be the most you'd be the most intelligent wrestler in the world if you just watched your own show back every week you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or even go and sit out in the audience and watch it because when you're at the live shows, they play these clips on the t- on the big screen on the Titantron. Yeah. So you know, 
you could yeah, uh, fair, you could probably hear it in the changing rooms. Hey, well, there is that as well. But you, we have to, you know, come on, forego that. We know that, you know, I mean, there's even been a clip before with Rock and Angle talking and then Rock kind of looks at the camera with his eyebrow and the crowd go, yay. And then Angle's like, who are you talking to? Like pretending there's no camera crew there yeah, at all. So I remember. Just, just do you like Angle and pretend there's not a camera crew there, right? Yeah, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I mean, this, this match here is... Um, it's it, it's kind of a Survivor Series style because it's the elimination tag uh, stipulation, and again, it's the opener. It's relatively quick. It does the it does the job it's supposed to do, I suppose. The crowd are in into it. Don't get me wrong, but it highlighted an issue I have with some of these elimination matches, in that um, this match went for just over eight minutes. There was one person who survived. Dean Malenko at the, at the end after getting a submission on uh, Lita, who was the last person to swipe from that team. So that's what one, two, three, four. That's five decisions inside eight minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit too quick to be fair. Yeah, um, I, I don't really get the. I understand. Like I thought when they do the intergender, well, I will admit when they announced the match, I thought Terry was going to be involved as well. So there'd be like that that scenario. But obviously, Lita's in the ring with literally like five other guys, basically, <laughs> and then she's yeah. a sole survivor from it. Like you said, do you know what? I didn't realize it was that short. I know it was short, but eight minutes is <laughs> wow. Yeah, literally just a, a couple of seconds over eight minutes. It, it just flew by. Um, wow. But again, it was it was you know Eddie Guerrero. Um, I mean, the hard is Perry Sutter and Dima Lencombe, so, Lita as well, all incredibly talented performers. Um, I was but it was just Eddie was out first, to be honest, because yeah, I'm so Eddie used was to Eddie really early. You know, obviously, Eddie became well, you know WWE champion and was like one of the smallest guys ever to do it at the time. So um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it was hard to see. You know, this was the tail end of his Latino heat with China, but. Um, I did notice he still had his at that time. He still had that elbow uh, brace on, which is where he would have not of that year when they when they debuted at what No Way Out, I think the Radicals. Right. Um, Eddie Guerrero popped out his elbow, didn't he? <laughs> which was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Looking back at it, but um, yeah, he still had that on. So I'm guessing that was still causing issues. But I was shocked when Eddie went out first. I was like, oh, that was fast. <laughs> so I didn't, yeah. Again, you telling me it's eight minutes long. It didn't feel eight minutes long, but it did feel short. I just didn't realize it was that short. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, we're, again, we're looking back at this with, with, with you know, 2020 vision, I guess, by, by year and in hindsight. But um, we're looking at guys like Eddie Guerrero and Jeff Hardy as future world champions. At, at this stage in their careers, they're, they're obviously not at that level yet. But it is still a shock watching back, seeing Eddie go out early, as you said. Jeff Hardy follows him incredibly quickly. Um some I, I made a note of as well during this match that not just from this contest, but it popped in my head watching him. Um, I think Perry Saturn was hugely underrated. Very, very talented fella. So so many great moves he was yes. capable of. A very unique look. Um, this is a guy that got a mop over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. you know, <laughs> you know when it went like, through, oh, when Terry put it through the chipper, I genuinely felt sorry for that bloke. <laughs> it's like Wilson from uh, Castaway, isn't it? It's the equivalent of uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it I, very quickly sort of works its way down to being Lita and Malenko, which looking at the storyline, you can kind of predict. Malenko basically beats the crap out of her, goes to pin her, keeps picking her shoulders yeah, up from the mat, to extend, which is, again, funny to try and extend the match, which only goes eight minutes anyway, before eventually getting a submission with the Texas Cloverleaf finisher he used at the time. Um, something else that stood out to me here 
is I'm not going to go into major details of what was said at any point during the show about this kind of topic, but how gross was Jerry Lawler? Oh, well, always. Yeah, just... <laughs> I like Jerry Lawler. I think he's hilarious, but there are some, like, looking back at some of the older stuff, you're like, whoa. <laughs> at yeah. the time, you're young, you're like, yeah, that's funny, but some of it was kind of, whoa, what the... What, really? <laughs> yeah, again, 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 you know, actually, there uh, uh, 20 years ago, slightly different time, but, I mean, there was one occasion where... Leeds has uh, attempted a, a hurricane rana or a flying head scissors or however you want to word it. Um, a very athletic move yes. requiring a huge amount of skill to do. Something you didn't really see in the women's division at this stage on on like the national scene in America, I, I suppose. Oh. Done properly anyway. And Jerry Lawler makes it, because it was, it was executed on Dean Malengo. And you can imagine the... Um, the physical position the for comments, his head yes, scissors. Well, yeah. And um, Joey Lawler turns around and rather than commenting on how talented Lita is or potentially trying to get her over, makes a comment, a summit, a summit along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing now, please excuse me, but a summit along the lines of, I bet that was the kind of action he wanted last night or wanted in the hotel room. Or and it's just like, okay, again, attitude era, I understand. But why can't what she's done there is, is a fantastic athletic, <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 you're more concerned with just being a bit, well, just a bit gross. It's Jerry Lawl is kind of uh, I'm not I'm not really defending it as such, but it, you know, he, he when he's funny, he's really funny. But there are moments like that. You're like, did you really just say that? Um, but yeah. he is, but he didn't really go out prepped. I don't think, by what I understand, like Jr. would be very much bullet points written down paper. Whereas I think Jerry Lawler was allowed to, because he was funny, generally, okay, yes, he probably did make comments like that and were mistakes in retrospect, but at the time he was considered the funny one. He was the heel, wasn't he? So saying yeah. certain things like that probably, at the time at least, made sense. It's a bit cringy to listen back to sometimes, though, I agree. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the next match we get uh, is, t- to me, initially, when I'm when I'm looking at... Uh, the two competitors here, it, it doesn't quite sink for me. It's a bit of a mixed match, a bit of, a, bit of an odd clash of styles uh, as, as William Regal defends his European Championship against Hardcore Holly. But then you hear the, the hometown reaction and the fact that he's from the, the, that state, that's his home Alabama, state. Yeah. Yeah, you, can, you can understand why he's involved in a title match at some, at some level. Um, I enjoyed this. What I, 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 first thing I missed, I, maybe it's because we're European, but I missed the European title. I believe oh my it's, God, it's, it's it gorgeous. One of the best titles. I, I still, to this day, like when they brought the UK uh, <laughs> championship, you know, in for the current uh, generation with Pete Dunne and all that. Um, I feel as though, oh yeah, that's the European championship just made heavyweight style now. But uh, cause that battle's beautiful as well, but I do miss the European title. I, I know it didn't, <laughs> I don't think it... Well, I mean, Angle was like European champion, IC champion. It was like a stepping stone. It used to be titles. used to be like, you, if you were singles, at least, you would go European, then Intercontinental, which was the gateway to the World Heavyweight title or WWF Championship at the time. Um, so they were stepping stones to see, you know, kind of the reaction, I guess. But um, Regal in uh, Hardcore Holly, do you know what? I wish this match had a better conclusion than it did because it was actually a really good match. I really enjoyed it. I probably... I don't know whether... Do you know what? I'm going to say one of my favourite matches of the night, actually. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It was a real pleasant surprise. I mean, as, as bad as this sounds, and I mean no disrespect to 
the stature of the European title because ultimately it was a lovely looking belt, but it wasn't as prestigious as, as some of its counterparts as as you've just listed. Mm. Um, and no disrespect meant at all to the likes of Hardcore Holly or Regal, who I think is one of the most talented wrestlers to definitely come from this country. Never mind be um, in the WWF as well. Just just a fantastic talent. One um, of the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest wrestlers, not you said in this country, but also one that's never been world champion. But you think, why haven't you been? You yeah, because he yeah, can do definitely. everything. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I mean, I, I initially on the introductions looked at it and thought, this to me, it's like a Sunday night heat match or a match that you see on Velocity or something like that from those, those sort of. Sea shows, I guess, from back in the day. But I know what you mean. Almost like the equivalent of what pre-shows are now. That's what yeah, essentially is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, spot yeah. on. But I mean, the five minutes they gave us was was excellent. I really enjoyed. It. Obviously, you say there about the finish. Raven runs in and DDT's the homeboy hardcore. Holly. Oh look! Oh look! A DDT where somebody didn't kick out. Well, yeah, that's got to be and a that's trope. That's the way right? it should be. That's the way it <laughs> that's should, the way be. should be. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back and listen to my show with Sion, you'll know what we're on about. Yeah, um, <laughs> people are going to get so tired of you and me talking about that, but I'm not going to stop. <laughs> no, it was but a yeah. great. It was a, like you said on paper, you're like, oh, okay, and then actually, whoa, okay, this is good. And I was actually really getting into the match, and all of a sudden, Raven somehow the ref gets distracted with Regal, and then Raven comes in and hits the DDT, aka the Raven effect, and then, you know, Regal wins off it. Um, so it's just, it's a bit gutting how it went down in the sense of that. But the match itself, I was starting to really get into it because I couldn't, obviously couldn't remember who won. So I couldn't remember the match. So I was actually into the match. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was a little yeah. bit disappointed, you know? Yeah. I, 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 again, I can't remember the match before I press play. So I don't know exactly where it went after this, whether we had a Raven and Hardcore Holly feud. Um, I'll have to look into that, I suppose, but yeah. it's... I mean, I just just before we finish up on this one, I just what I was going to say at the beginning of this match when Regal comes out and cuts his promo. Oh yeah, the Alabama crowd about like using a handkerchief, which I found hilarious, and then suggesting that the uh, local people in Alabama love their farmyard animals a bit too much. <laughs> it was quite <laughs> funny. Um, I'm like, that's one way to get heat. And then, of course, obviously, Hardcore comes out and announces he's from Mobile, Alabama, uh, Alabama. So they want their good hometown hero to beat the snot out of this Englishman that's just literally just offended them over the last three, four minutes. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's so simple, but so effective. It's effective. It? Yeah, it is. I mean, Rape on the topic effect. of that as well, um, I, mean, I mean, a couple of moments from the match that, again, it's, it's five minutes as well worth going back and having a, having a look at this five-minute match if you get the opportunity. That's but you get... Like you say, the first match was like eight minutes long, and yet this was five. But it didn't feel like five minutes. I was enjoying it, but yeah, it felt longer. Yeah, it felt longer than that. So was it really only from what from bow to bow? What five minutes? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, I, I'm actually yeah. shocked. I almost don't believe you. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it and time it because <laughs> <laughs> it did honestly. It didn't feel like it was five minutes. Because maybe it's because I was into the match. Maybe I don't know, but it's, mm. it didn't feel like five minutes. That's weird. But, I mean. Uh, some great moments in there. I mean, Harker Holly's leg drop from the top rope. It just yes, incredible. Yeah. That that gave me Bobby Eaton vibes. That was that looked fantastic. Yes. Um, Regal doing a, a, a several submission holes and a bow and arrow and so on. Bow and arrow. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, the bow and arrow. I haven't seen that for free. Yeah. And it no. looked vicious. It looked realistic. He, he pulled out the STF, which again looked realistic. Yeah. John well, Cena, he, please take note. When he went for the STF, well, the bow and arrow, sorry, I thought that's what he was going for, like a version mm. of the STF initially. Then he went into the bow and arrow. And it was, you know what? As little thing this is, the referee checking Regal's shoulder to make sure he wasn't pinning himself. Yep. Such a little minute detail, but do you know what? 
when you're a fan watching it, you go, his, his shoulders are down, ref. His shoulders are down. Why aren't you counting? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on. And again, it adds realism, doesn't it? It adds a proper, yeah, a proper feel minutes. of a sporting contest. Yes, which is what it should be. Exactly. I mean, again, coming back to Jerry Lauder, credit where it's due, we, I said about him being gross in the first match. And I think that is the only word I can use to to, to as closely describe it as I felt. He's of, his, he's, he's of his era, of his time, and yeah. uh, appreciates the uh, woman, woman's form, I guess. I, I guess so. <laughs> it's a nice yeah, but way I mean, to but say credit it. where it's due, during this yeah. match, he said a few things that really made me laugh. I mean, one example, um, he's talking about how after Regal's brilliant promo at the start that that you you described there, uh, and that was so funny, but um, to draw heat, Lawler carries on a little bit and says that the state of Alabama has four million people, but only fifteen last names. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, that just popped me. I just started. I was roaring. I could, I'd like, forgotten so about funny. that. I laughed at it, but I'd forgotten about it to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that that's when he's good at what he does. I yes, think we see yeah. two sides to him on this show just already in these first two matches, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, let's, you know, all credits in terms of his wrestling career in Memphis and everything, what a, what a freaking legend that he is. And again, like someone who, okay, yes, he went to WWF and all right, the situation panned out that, uh, Savage left and then he ended up on commentary allegedly only for two weeks and ended up staying on commentary. Yeah. So he never became WWE champion or anything, but he had a quite a well a significant career in Memphis and WWF to a degree, you know. So yeah, yeah, I think the only version of a world title he won. Did he win the AWA title at some stage? I'd have to look that up, but I think he won back when the AWA was still well. It was dying a death at that stage, but it was still viewed as potentially a world championship. But I'd have to have a look and go back and, and review that. Um, the next match, then, um, I suppose if you were talking a clash of styles, potentially, with Regal and Hulker Holly, this yeah, kind yeah. of, I suppose, follows suit with that. We've uh, got, 100%. Um, <laughs> we've got Val Venus, who is not playing his CD porn star gimmick at this stage. He has joined the group, the Right to Censor. I think I um, blocked Right to Censor from my brain. Because when okay. he goes, oh, as soon as the alarm came on, I was like, for God's sake, it brought back that straight away. I was like, God, yeah. no. And it's awful um, hearing it, isn't it? I mean, it's almost and, on the, the, the similar sort of um, when IRS used to come to the ring and you just hear the tax machine typing. <laughs> that, that sort of grating noises, you know? Yeah. I mean, in terms of right to censor, one thing I do want to say, because I didn't pick up on this at like 15 years old, but um, I was like, looking at it now as an adult i'm like they're such hypocrites because val venus was let's face it like i well, you need to blank this out i don't know it was essentially a porn star in yep. that's how he was portrayed the godfather was a pimp yep <laughs> i don't know what stevie richards was apart from in the bwo in ecw and ivory was actually like the you know the this is the whole uh, series of glow the glamorous ladies of wrestling she was in that that was where she started i think or one of the things she started in so especially with val venus in um Godfather, the irony of them trying to censor things was hilarious now, looking back at it. Yeah, at the time, I, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> I listened so. recently, actually, to um, one of Conrad Thompson's uh, podcasts with uh, Bruce Pritchard, and he was talking about Valvinus, and he said that the whole right to censor group was done to kind of take advantage of or potentially poke fun at real censorship groups who were getting on the back of the WWF about certain things. Yes, yeah. And the porn star character and the pimp character that the Godfather portrayed were two that apparently they had 
heat, I suppose, for want of a better term, over with these real censorship censorship companies. So the fact that they saw the light and joined the right to censor, I think, is actually quite funny. It's, it's quite funny ironic, you say... and it's 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 done almost as a sort of you know middle finger to those groups. <laughs> I potentially guess. Yeah, it's funny you say they see the light because it's almost portrayed as a religious group as well, to a degree. Um, yeah. The whole see the light and you must do this and you must do... It's almost like a cult thing going on as well. So it's... Um, which has been done many times in wrestling, not just right to censor style, but there's been done several... I mean, Seth Rollins recently, obviously, in the last, what, three, four months with the whole um, Kurt Hawkins and all that. You know, it was very much almost like a straight-edge society type thing going on, mm. going back to seeing Punk there. But... Um, yeah, um, annoying at the time. Um, I'm glad they. I remember that we, we'll talk about it a bit in the tag team match, but they, you know, the whole being duped by the Dudleys as well. That was quite funny. I remember that happening. Um, yes. But I remember hearing that alarm come on. I was like, go away. It's like, leap, just go away. <laughs> I remember being Which so. Which I suppose is the reaction they want, isn't it? It's yeah, quite, it is, you know... yeah. You know, make, well, it makes sense now. I mean, yeah. I think there was a character in ECW that called when. Um, when, when ECW got on a network, I think they had a character called Cyrus, which was supposed to be representing the network, which is very similar oh. to Right to Censor. So. Cyrus the Virus. That was um, <laughs> that was Don Callis, who is now one of the top guys in Impact Wrestling, a uh, former New Japan commentator. Um, oh, wow, I didn't know that. He helped put together the Chris Jericho-Kenny um, Omega match in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago. Yeah, that's... Uh, wow, okay, that's that a, is impressive that's a younger uh don callis there very very strong talented wrestling mind on that fella from when you hear him talk um but val venus's opponent uh in this match was china um china is getting quite a push here because she's appearing in playboy which is a big money spinner for the wwf at the time when that when any of their ladies um appeared in that publication um I mean, it's, it's it's something of nothing. This match, really, isn't it? There's, it there's is, more yeah. more interest talking about right to censor and so on than the actual contest itself. I feel like you said, it's more of a like because of what she did in the other publication and everything, and then what right to censor represent. It was just a way of, oh, she did this and they don't like it. Put match done. Yeah. Again, you know, if you flip, if you take those things away from it, once again, you got China who revolutionised wrestling to a degree as a woman. You know, before the whole women's revolution back in like what was it, two thousand eleven? No, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Um, you know, she was you know, she one of the, well, she was a, I think she's the only woman to ever win the IC title. You know, she was the first woman ever to enter a men's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know breaking glass windows all over the shop, really. So, But she holds her own against... And I don't think this is the first time her and Val Venus have had a match either. But um, again, like you said, not a throwaway, but it, it is what it is. Yeah, and to me, it, it, I understand with, with pay-per-views, um, especially nowadays when you seem to have a, 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 a new pay-per-view every sort of three, four weeks. But even back in this day, you had 12 to 13 shows a year. Um I understand sometimes it can be difficult to fill the whole pay-per-view with, I suppose, pay-per-view quality matches that often, that many times a year. But this, again, yeah. is similar to the Regal and Hardcore Holly match that, I suppose, exceeded expectations. This feels, again, like a, a, a TV match, a bit of a throwaway contest. Yeah, I think it led into um, more um china confronting right to censor a bit more i think going forward but so yeah but but the match itself was 
again, I, I, I think Ivory was ring. Yeah, she was. She was ring size, wasn't she? So she got yeah. involved with it as well. So, I mean, eventually, yeah. um, we spoke earlier about this show and and the the competitors and so on, especially in the main event, building towards the Raw Rumble and then WrestleMania 17. You end up actually with China facing Ivory and, and winning the Women's Championship at WrestleMania 17. So I suppose it is part of a bigger picture, I guess. Yes, because I. Doesn't she? Don't they spike power driver her, and she ends up in the neck brace? Like, like or, or did she genuinely hurt herself, as in China at the time? I don't remember. Oh, see, that's that's some knowledge you've got there. I'm gonna have to go back and have a look. I don't recall I that. Think, I think it carried on going, um, and I think um, I think it ended up in a match at Rumble, and it was supposed to be. It was for the women's title. Ivory, Ivory ended up leaving there with the championship still because China's neck was aggravated again. I think, and I believe it was a result of a spike power driver. But I could never tell whether it was a genuine, slight, maybe not as bad as they were portraying it, or whether she had a slight injury, so they used the neck thing as a like an out to so rest her, or I whether see. it was a genuine thing. I could never work out <laughs> whether it was genuine or not at the time, so I never looked into it after, to be honest. But things yeah, like think... that though, they 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 irritate me, and by the time I'm sitting down from a dinner, they drove me mad enough to actually look it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies for your dinner time in a little bit. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, after this, after this match here, we get uh, what what I find very entertaining. A, a little um, chat with the Undertaker earlier in the day. Stood in the middle of the ring with the cell all around him. Um, uh, I believe it's Kevin Kelly there interviewing him, who's the New Japan commentator now, um, talking about the history of the cell, the matches with Michaels and Foley, and just seeing the undertaker in this American badass gimmick, speaking freely, um, being interviewed or cutting a promo or however you, however you wish to word it. I really enjoyed this little segment. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see the arena with it down and no, no crowd. And yeah, you know, yeah. it's, um, taker obviously, especially during the actual undead sort of dead man, not the American badass, didn't cut overly many promos very often. I always felt with the Undertaker character, when he was no longer the American badass, when he came back at 20 as the dead man, he didn't. it seemed like he didn't speak for almost a year. And then it's almost like he finds his voice again very slowly and he almost like becomes human again. It's really weird. It's almost like a weird sort of, I've been resurrected, I'm silent, but I learn how to talk again. <laughs> and then I morph into <laughs> the American badass, essentially. But yeah. No, him talking about his prior matches, obviously at that time, well, even now, he's still remembered, obviously, Shawn Michaels was the first one, and then the, uh, the infamous Mick Foley-Mankind match with him, you know, showing it from that perspective of the cameraman, seeing the distance between the top of the cell into the ring, and oh. talking about what he's going to do to people and ripping people's flesh off, and says, like, whoa, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was very graphically explained what he was going to do in that match. Yeah, I just nice segment. a cool little little segment and a different look at The Undertaker and a different look at The Cell as well. I thought that was quite good. I think the next segment was also brilliant. Um, the theme going into this pay-per-view was you, you had this six-man Hell in a Cell main event for the WWF title um, put, put on by Commissioner Mick Foley. And they're pushing how dangerous this match is on television and throughout the show, the, um, the pay-per-view as it's on air. And Vince McMahon is saying that he doesn't want the guys involved. He tries to talk the guys out of the wrestlers out of competing. Um, here he comes out to the ring um, on, on the pay per view itself and starts talking about being a humanitarian 
and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. Really trying sort of to get people to stand up and stuff yeah, to support him. Yeah, it's like Donald Trump. Trying to get sympathy and talking, talking in a way. I, I don't really know how to word it. Very sort of timid and withdrawn. And then when he's not getting the response he wants, yeah, in his way, starts, he's like, oh, you just see the change and the facial expression changes. The voice comes out and stand up, damn it. And yeah, all that, that, was, that was good. That was a good impression, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from smoking too much when I was younger, I think. Oh, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought was, this was funny. And I thought Vince was just absolutely amazing here. The heat that guy can generate. just He's got to be one of the greatest heels of all time. He's very good at putting that, like... Um... Oh, I'm really, you know, like you said, I'm a humanitarian. I'm, I'm really s- scared for these people. Yeah. Like you said, he's almost like a kid in a in a candy shop that can't get the candy he wants and almost throws a tantrum like, well, basically, <laughs> I, I, I've told you to do this. Screw you, blah, 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 you know, and basically starts ripping into the people. You're all, it basically places the blame onto the crowd as well because it's your fault that this match is going on as much as yeah. it is Mick Foley's, you know, so. Just brilliant. Again, it adds to... It adds to that feeling of peril, I suppose, for the upcoming match that they've been building on television and building through the pay-per-view as well. It, it, I, I, again, Vince is just, when he's like this, when he's in this kind of mode, he's, he's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, following on from these, I suppose, early quick matches that sort of flew through in a couple of segments there, um, we had Chris Jericho versus Kane in a last man standing match, the, the second longest match on the show. Um, what what are your thoughts on on the last man standing stipulation? I mean, I, I've said previously on the show when I've been speaking to people, and the last man standing match has popped up. I I struggle with these contests. I'm not a big fan because I find it very difficult to. I, I find it very difficult, I suppose, for uh, for the sort of near fall drama. I guess it's very difficult to get that. Um, edgier seat just missed opportunity when they're doing a 10 count as opposed to potentially a three count um what are your thoughts on the stipulation in general um i suppose it's a bit like helena salik it's always tried to they always try and up it don't they all the time um i'm not like enthralled by like when i say it's going to be a last man standing match i'm not overly like ooh, i can't wait to see i'm not i'm like okay because it tends to be a big guy against a smaller guy generally, or it used to be back then. Um, it's, so the idea of trying to keep Kane down for 10, um, quite a hard feat to do, especially back then. Um, but in terms of the actual, I'm not, I'm not overly, I'm not adverse to them, but I can't say I'm overly excited to buy them. I mean, if you'd have turned around and said it was a, a ladder match, I'd be like, Ooh, this could be interesting. Or even a two out of three falls match is a bit more urgent because you can always end up with that one you know, one for a piece type thing and have that, mm-hmm. who's going to get the next one. So that's a bit more urgent for me. But, um, you know, in terms of this actual one, I was actually surprised maybe because of the main event of the lack of, although they did use foreign objects and weapons, it wasn't as much as you would expect them to. No, no, Not really. I, I agree. So, yeah. I mean, it, it um, started off outside the ring, didn't it? And they went backstage. Yeah, straight away. And, straight yeah, away. <laughs> yeah, and they went they went backstage quite early and sort of went around a, a few places in the backstage area, a few bits and bobs as you'd find around there. Used I could have so done on. without that bit. I have to admit, it could have just stayed where it was. To be honest, but you yeah, know, it is what it is. And they end up back in the ring, and then you're effectively having a, an ordinary wrestling match at yeah. this stage. Um, there's a there's a nasty power slam on the outside from Kane to Jericho that looked 
looked very vicious, and then a huge choke slam. That choke slam was awesome. Like uh, that's what I remember Kane being like right. the heights. Yeah, and I thought, do you know what? If if they'd have ended it there, do you know what? That probably would have helped Kane going forward in the sense of reestablishing him as the monster that he already was. You know, because mm. that choke slam was vicious. But um, you know. They did use some weapons, obviously. There was a chair involved at one point. Um, but like I say, compared to uh, the last one standing matches I've seen uh, either prior or pre- past this, there, it's more of a wrestling match than an actual let's use everything that isn't bolted down. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, and potentially, like, as, as you sort of hinted towards, potentially that was the mandate with what was going to happen in the main event. You don't want to be using too many weapons and chain, uh, uh, chair shots or, or exactly. blood or anything like that because it will take away from the main event. But at the same time, if that's the case, then why book the stipulation in the first place, I guess? Um, well, the whole rivalry was built around Jericho accidentally bumping into Kane and spilling coffee on him and saying, sorry, I hope I didn't burn you. And that's the worst thing you could have said to a guy like that with the storyline that he had yeah, at the time. Exactly. I mean, in, in a way, I suppose we could be thankful that at this stage, if a storyline is built around spilt coffee, Vince Russo wasn't still there because we'd have ended up with something like a Costco cup on a pole match, bro, or Pinata something. Or something. <laughs> Pinata on a pole match or something. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I mean, um, go on. I, 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 again, I, I thought this was okay. I, I, mean, I think the finish... The issue for me is, is like I said, the last man standing match is going for the finish because... Yes. It, it, it takes away the drama of a near four. I think you can get 99% of the stunts and the moves from these matches in if you just do no DQ or fours count anywhere. Yeah. Um, the finish for this match I thought was clever, though. I thought it was good with the way that he pushed those barrels down to hold the monster down. I thought that was that was cleverly done. Yeah. I mean, devil's advocate here. I'm going to say that technically Kane won that match purely because he had him in that hold... Uh, basically choked him to the point where he couldn't really lift his hand up to the third count. So technically Jericho's out. So why did the why has the ref got a count to ten? That's my logic with that. Uh, but, uh, see, I, I just I saw that as well with the yeah. Teddy Long. I think he was refereeing, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't so make it did any the... sense. Like, oh, he's out, he's out now. You know, or if he's out, you know, it's like Austin versus Brett. Okay, yes, that was a submission match, but can, you know, or an I quit. What was that match? I've forgotten. Was it? That was a point? submission match. At, at, it was um, a submission. WrestleMania yeah. thirteen. Yeah. Yes, that's it. It was a submission match. Um, Austin didn't tap, but he passed out, so could not, so could no longer compete. Mm-hmm. So logically speaking, because Jericho passed out, he can't compete. So why do you need to count to ten? You know, <laughs> it's just. No, I, but, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, suppose yeah. that's I me suppose... being a bit nitpickety. I will admit, but you know, you could argue that point. Yeah, you definitely could. Of course, you could. Yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy is unconscious, and in theory, yeah. he he sh- he couldn't be continue. Well, that However, would have been a nice different ending. Okay, yes, Kane would have won, but in terms of your, you know, as you said, you're not overly fond of last man standing matches. That could have been a different ending. And go, oh, damn, Kane choked him out to the point where there was no point count to ten. That would again would have been. Yeah, it would have been quite dramatic, wouldn't it? I suppose if yeah. he's unable to even. What's the point in even starting the ten count? I suppose. Exactly. Um, devil's advocate, I guess, to your point there. Um, I suppose the last man standing match, the stipulation is can't answer the 10 count. So passing out. Yeah, yeah. I get where you're coming from, but it was am, odd to see, wasn't it? It is. I am picking at the uh, the last chicken bone with no meat on there, but it's just, um, <laughs> it's just, um, you know, you could argue that point to it if it was, you know, as a contest is what it's, is what it's supposed to be. So yeah. yeah, the finish, as you were alluding to with, with the barrels was, um, but it reminded me of Taker versus Batista with the stage in like 2007, I think. WrestleMania 23. 
but it was backlash after when Taker won the World Heavyweight title. But they did a similar finish to that, but it was bigger and part of the stage fell down, I think. <laughs> but, right, yeah, yeah. Again, I could argue this point in this match as well, that Kane's hand was actually coming through the barrels. So was he actually out? Mm, well, the referee should yeah, have checked. I, I mean, I was going to mention that myself, not from the standpoint of potentially that means he's not down, and, and it's a good point you make. But I mean, I thought it was quite a cool little visual, almost like the horror film monster coming monster, back one last yes. time, I guess. It was quite yes, a clever yeah. little clever little visual, I guess, you know? It was. It was cool. Like you said, it was like the... Uh, the zombies coming out of the ground and the monsters coming back. Like, I finally beat the monster. Oh crap! He's still coming. What's yeah. how? How do I stop this guy? You know. So, but no, it was cool. I mean, generally the match I enjoyed, but again, last one standing matches can be quite hard to. The anticipation of the finish, I think, is quite hard. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, to follow that, we go to WWE or WWF New York. Uh, the restaurant uh, they had restaurants or bar efforts they had there for for a while. Are they still um, got it? Because I was going to look it up, but I didn't look it up after. Did they, no, they, it, they made a huge losses on it, apparently. How did they really? Huge losses. It cost them, because where it is, apparently it was um, very high, I suppose, high, very high rental real estate, or however they were so it over there. It's New York, isn't it? So, in that, yeah. yeah, so and I imagine. But apparently other, other companies have gone in on that street, in that building and so on, and also been unsuccessful. So it's not just the WWF themselves. I'd have to look it up again, but I believe there was some issue with one of the managers or one of the people running it for them um, skimming a bit of money out of the business yeah. as well. It wasn't Earl Hebner, um, was it? Sorry? It wasn't Earl Hebner, was it? <laughs> no, he was like the back selling t-shirts at the booth. Oh, uh, yeah, of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, don't hold me to that. I could be confusing two different things there, but I think there was something about that. But we go to, to WWF New York and um, are greeted by Shawn Michaels in a black cowboy hat, dancing away to his music, talking about Hell in a Cell as, as he was obviously a competitor in the very first one. Um, the main takeaway I got from this was maybe this was Shawn in his, um, shall we say, more relaxed days when it comes to alcohol consumption or or the consumption of uh, other um, substances he seemed quite blurry of speech didn't he do you know what i didn't pick up on that <laughs> no really no, i, I, I didn't pick up on he, that. yeah if you watch it back he, he sort of stuttered. i mean sean's normally great on the microphone and and so on but he seems a little bit slurry and sort of stutters over a few words and so on i mean I, I was actually looking back. Now you've mentioned it. He did that a bit with far away looking his eye, but I thought it was more to do with the fact he could barely hear like Jr. over the mic over the uh, radio or something that he was trying to listen to him. But I mean, I might have to watch that back. To I'm not really sure on that one. Mm, I mean, at, at the time, um, he obviously had issues or demons, as they word it, don't they, with regards to certain substances. I don't know if it's painkillers or sleeping pills or whatever. It was his particular yeah, vice. Yeah. Um, and Sean, as I said on numerous occasions, is one of my all-time favourites. So it's great to see that he he sort of pulled the nose up, so to speak, and got out of that. Um, obviously returned and had a great run when he came back to the WWF the second time. Um, I, I just kind of looked at it and thought, some, I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, but something weren't quite right about him at that moment. So I don't know whether that was... There's also stories as well around this time of him getting sent home from... It might even have been WrestleMania... Because him and Triple H fell out about it. I think Sean was sent home from WrestleMania. He wasn't supposed to compete, obviously, but I believe he was sent home for being 
under the influence, shall we say, and he oh, and Triple H fell out about it. This might be the same sort of time frame. Again, yeah. I'd have to look it up, so please don't hold me to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think Triple H was very much trying to be the voice of reason to a few of these guys, not just uh, Shawn Michaels, to sort of like, come on, hold, hold it together. You know, you can't, you want to be involved with this, you can't be doing what you're doing, basically. Yeah, I mean, Rose also, also, also was a close friend of theirs and he had various problems as well, didn't he? And they sort of paid for him to go through rehab and so on as well. I mean, it's obviously a voice in the business in general, isn't it? So it's great that the, the at least these guys are still with us, I suppose. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the next step, um, after we've been to WWF New York, we have a four-way match for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Um, not only a fan of Four Corners uh, I'm not matches, either. to be honest. No, but... The sort of tagging anyone sort of um, concept where... There's two guys competing and there's a team in each corner. I mean, I'll run through the teams very quickly. We had Edge and Christian. Um, the slightly odd pairing that I completely forgot even happened of, of Kay Quick, who is our truth now. Yeah, yeah um, with the Road Dog, the Dudleys, and then the Good Father and uh, Bill Buchanan from Right to Censor, who were the defending champions. But yeah, you end up with two guys working in the ring and then people all around the outside tagging in and out with whoever they want to tag. And again, I, I completely agree with you. You're spot on. I'm, I'm not a fan of this concept whatsoever. I don't know how you would rectify it though, apart from maybe making it a tornado tag match or maybe even one from each team is in the, like a fatal four way. But even then that would, so the only way I think you could remedy it really in my head is probably a tornado tag team match or you make it a ladder match or something, you know? That's... Yeah. Yeah. So sort of everyone all in at, at once, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, ultimately, we, we have Edge and Christian win the Tag Team Championships here. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a bad match. You know, it wasn't the best Tag Team match of all time or anything, but it was it wasn't a bad match. And for, I mean, the bit with uh, which I shared with you on the video was... Um, oh, yes. You know, Bully, <laughs> uh, Bully, no, sorry, Bubba Ray, not Bully Ray. Um, mm -hmm. Bubba Ray and Road Dog uh, doing... Uh, so Road Dog's doing his snake rattle and roll, I think it was called, and then Bubba Ray did something similar, but he started coughing Road Dog, and it was absolutely hilarious. It's and they punched each other at the same time, and it was, yeah. it was it was really... They were so <laughs> in sync, it was brilliant. Um, weirdly, little known fact, unknown fact by me, when I first started watching wrestling... <laughs> not knowing a damn thing apart from a few video games before I watched it. Um, one of my favorites from the video game from a WCW game was Chris Jericho. I don't know why, but I liked Chris Jericho before I'd even seen Chris Jericho in the ring. And then when I watched WWF road dog, purely because he did sh uh, snake rattling roll <laughs> for some reason, I was like, I like that dude. I don't know why. But then actually, as you start watching his matches, you're like, oh, okay, he doesn't <laughs> rock became rapidly my favorite wrestler, but <laughs> it was just like, for some reason, road dog was like my first favorite wrestler. <laughs> no, <pretty> I, random. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I, I hope somewhere you've got a road dog t-shirt and it's, I, I hope it's from I this don't. era. If anybody well. wants Him to donate quick, <laughs> if anyone wants to donate one, I would happily take it off your hands. Um, so no, I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to really go on apart from that, really. I mean, Edge and Christian uh, win the tag titles here, and I suppose a few months later they head into WrestleMania 17 for their big uh, TLC match there. Because they, um, they must drop the titles before Mania, because I think they weren't the champions going in, were they? Or were they? I don't remember. I don't know. Did they drop them at the Rumble, potentially? Um, again, I'll have to Yeah, they yeah. You end up with those the three teams that I suppose the hardest from earlier on. The Dudley's Edge and Christian going into the TLC matches, don't you? And uh, I think that... Yeah. I can't remember. I'll have to, we're gonna, we'll, we'll probably talk about it at some point, but I can't I think they recaptured the titles at Mania 17, but I don't remember who had them 
it's one of the other teams, obviously, either Hardys or Dudleys, but I don't remember which team had them at this point. Uh, okay. Yeah, no worries. I get you. Again, we'll have to look into it. I mean, but the the the, the pleasure, the pleasure, the, the sort of goodness of of that era is we're talking about tag team wrestling, and there's a few teams there in the mix. Yes, okay, some of them aren't what you call, I suppose, top market tag teams. I mean, K Quick and um, the Road Dog. You couldn't really see them having big long title runs or anything like that. But well, Buchanan and Godfather is a bit of a random one, but that's more stemmed from the fact they're an RTC together, right to censor. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but the fact that you've got these teams there and we're heading into the TLC matches, tag team wrestling at this stage was, I think, getting a bit of a, a resurgence considering how you, it was. Late 80s, early 90s, it was, it was excellent. And it very much dropped off a cliff until it came back in the late 90s in this era. Yes, yeah, no, I mean, again, I watched it from 2000. So, I mean, I seem to this tag team thing built from, because I must have just missed it. So I think the um, Hardys and Edge and Christian ladder match for, was it some money and a contract for Terry Reynolds or something? I remember right, rightly. Yeah. <laughs> um, something really stupid, but um, the match itself is fantastic. And I re- I watched it back some years or sometime that year when I started watching wrestling. It was amazing. It was considered the start of it. Then you then you chuck in the Dudleys, which, by the way, I remember reading in some wrestling magazine back then that the Dudleys moving from ECW to WWF at the time. Whoever wrote this article was saying that it was the worst move he'd seen in wrestling at that point. But Dudley Boys went on to be... <laughs> Well, still are like one of the most uh, renowned tag teams in WWF. So that whole era was pretty much 2000, 2001 is very much built around Edge Christian, the Hardys and Dudley boys. So, yeah, definitely. I, I just, as, as you were talking then had a little look, like I said, things bother me if I don't know them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Dudley boys beat Edge and Christian at War Rumble 2001. Ah, there we go. To win the, the uh, tag team titles there, and then of course Edge and Christian, as as you rightfully said, um, won the titles back at WrestleMania 17 in that yeah. TLC match. So yeah, you're spot on. They, they went in as challengers, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember I remember it purely because the first WrestleMania I ever saw was 16, which was the triangle ladder match, which was a kind of a precursor. It technically was a TLC match to a degree, but Edge and Christian won that. And I remember they won it the next year, but it was TLC two at that point. Cause the other one had happened at SummerSlam in, yeah, in, that's right. in 2001. But, um, yeah. I don't know why I remember these. I don't remember my education, but I remember when Edge and Christian won the tag team titles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember anything I learned in science or maths or anything like that, but I can remember <laughs> You know, random cities, certain matches took place in, and all this sort of nonsense. But there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, You're among friends. Don't worry about it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, after the tag match, again, very relatively short, considering you had so many people competing. You know, less than ten minutes there. We had another match, roughly the same same time period, for for a singles contest and a singles championship, as Chris Benoit defeated the one Billy Gunn. Um, mm-hmm. I'd completely forgotten again about the whole the one Billy Gunn gimmick, and I'm not really sure what the gimmick actually was, but I completely forgotten that it took place at all. The one Billy Gunn thing didn't seem to last overly long. I don't think it's after like him and Road Dog had split from New Age Outlaws, and then mm. he did pretty well, obviously picking up the IC title again. Um, obviously, Billy Gunn, I think, is a former King of the Ring winner as well. Right. Um, okay. I could be wrong on that, but. Um, you know, he's been a tag team champion, an IC champion, and multiple tag team champions, mostly with Road Dog 
Um, <laughs> we'll try and forget the Chuck and Billy era, but he did win the tag team <laughs> titles with them. Sort of like a weird boy band, two man boy band. Chuck and Billy were, but um, they were st- they were hinting about uh, being a couple, weren't they? There was that <laughs> thing going Rico. on with Rico. Rico, yeah. their manager, was supposed to be or stylist. Sorry, he was their stylist, not their manager, and he was supposed to be. Um, Effectively, they were going to get married on an episode of SmackDown. That's it, yeah. Um, With Eric Bischoff as the minister. That's right. As the old man. As the old man. It was was a huge deal back then um, because the, the, the... The press they got, the positive coverage they got for having this this same-sex couple on their television and potentially getting married and so on. Um, they got changed, mine, because I tell you what, they didn't have Rip into Gold Dust during his his era, and they didn't, didn't have Chimes Change by 2002. They're actually wanting these two men to get married on TV. You know, what does yeah, that, that tell you? Yeah, it was surreal. about the social consciousness, you know? It was viewed, yeah, definitely. It was, it was viewed from what I remember. Anyway, again, going back sort of, at this stage, it must be, what, 18 years or whatever, but it's very, well, maybe later, 17 maybe, but um, from what I remember, it was very much positive from the outside looking into the wrestling business that they were going to, to do this. And then in true WWE fashion, true wrestling yeah. fashion, I suppose there was a big swerve. Yeah. And the, um, the, yeah the, the vicar uh, or, or reverend or, or whoever. Yeah. And the, official, I, I, the official will say. Yeah, the official. Uh, absolutely fantastic performance by Eric Bischoff. In now, the... you knew it wasn't an old man, but I have to say, I did not know it was going to be Eric Bischoff. Oh, uh, that threw me. mask off. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go back and watch that when we're finished because it was so good. And at the time, you had um, three minute warning, two minute warning, whatever they were called. Oh yeah, uh, Ro- uh, Rosie and Jamal. That's and right. I... And he and he used to say, Bischoff used to say, "Oh, you've got three minutes three or whatever minutes, their yeah, name yeah. was," and they'd run to the ring and destroy everyone. As Rico ended up with them, <laughs> didn't he? But um, yeah, the, uh... and Bischoff sort of runs through the oh, a, a, a marriage is fantastic, whether it lasts a lifetime a year, a month, or even just three minutes, and then pulls yes, the yeah. mask off and they run it. Oh, such fantastic television. Oh, but they got panned for not going through with the actual uh, same sex really, From what so, I remember, yeah. Oh, God. I, I remember it happening, because I remember they, were, they were, where we talk about uh, WrestleMania 18, there was a fatal four-way tag team match, which we've already decided. We'd, I think Chuck and Billy either went in as champions or came out as champions. I can't remember. Or both, maybe. I don't know. But I remember APA being involved in the match, but it wasn't a great match. <laughs> I remember it happening, but it wasn't a great match. Um, but uh, I think because uh, Jamal, I believe, is Rikishi's brother. Um, and I think he ended up being becoming Umaga. Um, so he had a bit of a run, decent run as Umaga, didn't he? In the sort of 2006 sort of era, I think it was. Umaga was fantastic, wasn't he? He was such a great killer heel. And then, uh, was it Rosie? Ended up being the psychic to Hurricane, of all things. Yes, superhero in training, as he had that's the initials it, on it, his yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, I love a bit of Hurricane. He, he, had his, he had his moments, not very many, but he had his moments. You know, likes going out and stand back, and he comes back and saves some people. It was really cool, but, you know, it's a little yeah. cheesy moment, but it was good. Yeah, great. Just, again, entertainment, isn't it? I'll be honest with you, I, I never thought for a second when we were covering um, Armageddon 2000 that today we'd be discussing the superhero in training and Rico, the stylist. They've popped up out of nowhere today, so that's great. But... Oh, yeah. Well, another little fact about Rico I do know is that he used to be a cop. But then when you okay. realise how he used to dress, you're like, really? Then he used to be a Las Vegas cop, so maybe that would link into the whole the fashion sense he had. I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, again, back to the match, I suppose. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's fine. No, that's what we want. Benoit uh, wins the Intercontinental Championship with a with a cross face here. Again, ten minutes of uh, of decent enough action. There's nothing major to sort of write home about here. It's a title change. Um, I mean, we so we it's, it's, a, it's a like you said. I can't believe it was that short either. But it was a, you know, it's Benoit and Benoit used to rip people to shreds at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a heel, he rarely lost. To be honest, he was a good. Um, it's a shame the way things went down with him. Different show, different podcast, but yeah, um, you know he was. But um, I, we mentioned Jr. Uh, Jr. King earlier. Um, the Billy Guns wearing two earrings. Fine. Oh yeah. Jr. Makes a bit of a comment about it, and it's a bit like, oh wow, I've never seen a champion wear two earrings before, and it's very like a negative comment from Jr. Mm. Very sly, but it's like. So I don't know. I mean, each their own. I wouldn't wear two earrings, but that's my personal choice. <laughs> but I, I have done. Um, I used to have piercings all over my ears and whatnot. But now I'm a bit older. It looks a bit odd. But I mean, <laughs> it's each their own. But it's just like the comment seemed very like, why is that worth mentioning? To be honest, yeah. I didn't notice he had. To, I noticed he had an earring in. It wasn't until Jr. said, "Why is he basically saying why is this champion got two earrings in?" I was like, "Oh yeah, yes. Oh well." I, I didn't give it a second thought, but now it's because we're talking about it. I was like, why did he make that comment? It seemed a bit yeah, Didn't he uh, elaborate on really? say that if he had that done, his his daddy, to quote, would have whipped his ass? Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the exact. Yeah. I, I kind of like shut it down. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's each their own, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Uh, speaking of odd commentary, we then move into uh, back into firmly Jerry the King Lawler uh, land where we have the triple threat match between Ivory, Molly Holly, and Trish Stratus for the Women's Championship. Um, this was a quick match. I definitely know this was a quick match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally a couple of minutes. T- just over two minutes, this one clocked in at roughly. Um, you can Based see on- Trish is nowhere near the level she developed into, which I think is a great testament to show how much she improved she, and how hard she yeah. worked. Um, 100%. Molly Holly and Ivory, I think, are two incredibly underrated wrestlers. I was going to say, Molly Holly in that match, okay, it was very short, but some of the, I mean, she got monkey flipped by Trish Stratus, landed on her feet, and then got clotheslined by Ivory yes. in like second. Oh, and, it was, yeah. and I'd forgotten how good she was, to be totally honest. So it explains why she's a trainer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, and it's a real shame, I think, when you look at the likes of Molly Holly and Ivory, and I suppose Victoria came in, um, shortly after this kind of time frame um that the matches for the the women were literally two minute throwaway contests i mean after this match you had a segment that involved the apa that was um and uh, and people coming to the ring and so on that i think lasted probably as long if not longer than the match itself yes if you look at it that way yeah i mean the moment itself was cool seeing because I wondered why TNA were wearing like TNA APA. I, did, yeah. I couldn't remember that story or anything. And obviously they'd taken over the agency. And then when they come down and start laughing at Crash Holly because he come down to save his cousin, um, then the APA music comes on. It's always like cool. Because I think, yeah. again, APA are a fan favorites, definitely. But a, a, a team that didn't win the tag titles very often, really. No, no. But again, it shows, it shows the depth of the division, doesn't it? If you've yes, got teams yeah. like that. You know, I mean, in, 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 in other eras, they would have been holding the belts the majority of the time. So I suppose it shows how, how strong the division was back then. I mean, if you want to, because we're talking about women's matches, you want to fast forward a few years, like you said about Trish, it's literally like two years later, maybe three years later, WrestleMania 9, 
15 and you've got Victoria versus Trish versus Jazz, it isn't the best women's match ever. But if you watch Armageddon with Trish and you watch that match, you'll see the improvement with Trish. And again, she's still not quite polished there, but mm-hmm. she is a lot better than where like where she has come from, basically. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Ivory uh, retains here quite quite quickly. And again, there's not, barring the spot you mentioned there, the, the monkey flip into the clothesline, there's not a great deal here to, to no. write home about. As, as I find the majority of this undercard is, it's very much matches you there's not much there and again like i said before the show started i could remember the main event from this match but the rest yeah. of the card i had no clue i literally could not remember a single match from this show until i pressed play um if i was to go back and watch this again i would definitely watch regal uh the regal match with uh Harko holly yeah okay they ain't gonna win it as slammy as they would say in the wrestling business but it's a good match on the card yeah yeah, I and mean, that one stands out now. But again, at the time, even as they're making remember. their entrances, yeah, even as they're making their yeah. entrances, I'm thinking, oh, really? You know, but yeah, but I suppose now we come to the reason. The reason we're all here, I suppose, with regards to Armageddon 2000, and I think the reason the undercard is effectively so weak is because all the big star power is in this main event, and of course, you have Rikishi too. Um, we have. Um, the Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H versus Rikishi versus The Undertaker uh, versus the WWF World Champion Kurt Angle. Six-man Hell in a Cell match. Um, again, the peril being built all the time, the intro video, the, the, the hype package for the match. And then as Triple H makes his entrance, he comes out first. Jim Ross states... Here comes the first opponent, or is this the first victim? Just little touches well, yeah. like that, I think, are building the suspense again, aren't they? Yeah, especially when like certain wrestlers' music, when this when it gets down to serious business, especially Triple H's music, like you know, obviously it's time to play the game. That whole ominous sort of music is very like, here we go, things mm. are about to, to. To quote Jr., I think business is about to pick up. Yes, definitely. I mean, this was this was just before his Motorhead music, wasn't it? This was the. Um, Oh, it's like a little beeping sound that goes into something else. And I think that tune was fantastic as well. And like you said, the, the look on his face, the way he walked to the ring, it's a completely different mood to what we've experienced beforehand. You're 100% correct, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, interestingly, the in, I, I always find little things sort of fascinating, I guess, with regards to, to these shows. Um, all the heels come out first. We've, we've effectively got three three bad guys and three good guys. Essentially, yes, that's what this the you know the whole setup has been, isn't it? The three, although the other, I think two of which were moaning about being in the match. I don't, I don't remember Triple H whinging about going into the Hell in a Cell match. I think Kurt Angle and Rikishi did a little bit of why should basically on man's side, or maybe even just Kurt Angle. I can't remember now without going back and watching the Raw. But um, yeah, like you said, there's pretty much a line been drawn between these uh, six competitors. Obviously, one three on one side, three on the other. Even yeah. though it's all against all. Or yeah, even though it's still very much every man from staff, yeah. But the heels all come out first. Um, so obviously that then means that your defending WWF champion doesn't actually come out last. I mean, that's something that, again, it's, it's something of nothing. It's literally, you know, p- picking at nothing really, but it's something that irritates me a touch. I think the champion think should always come out last. Traditionally, the champion is supposed to come out last, aren't they? They mm. are supposed to come out last. Um, so... Yeah. I suppose, logically speaking, 
you I mean they could have done it so like maybe Rikishi Triple H came out then Taker and then Angle did come out last I don't see what that would have been much of an issue but they want to generate like more established that these three are the bad guys these three are the good guys <laughs> I guess yeah and I, I suppose it's I suppose the start of the match itself it kind of needed to happen um, everyone walks into the ring the referees are keeping the competitors apart as um, as other competitors are entering um, the Rock brilliantly just walks down, showing no nerves, straight into the cell, and it's like a, almost like a real statement of intent from him. Kurt Angle is stood on the outside of the cage, not entering and letting other guys go past him into the into the door into the cell. Um, Steve Austin is out to the biggest, even even Absolutely. in comparison to to The Rock, it was huge. And rather than going into the cage, he makes a beeline for Angle, grabs him starts beating him and and then makes sure Angle is in the cell with the other five. Yeah, I suppose that with the Austin thing, obviously he's tremendously popular anyway, but this would have been, what, his third month-ish, roughly back in the company, yeah. like fully wrestling. So um, obviously a lot of people hadn't seen him for a few years or whatever, or a year at least, 12 months, 18 months. So going to these towns again, all of a sudden they get to see Steve Austin uh, again. So maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's just when that glass breaks and you you hear the reaction of the crowd throughout his, throughout his career. It's just, it, you can see why the guy made more money for the company than anyone else, can't you? It's just it's yeah, absolutely. so, so over, just so popular. Um, basically, everyone pairs off early in the match and they go around um, beating each other. There's a little moment with Lawler and JR that actually really made me laugh. They start talking about Vince McMahon's concerns for the match and stating about how he's not looking at caring about the individuals. He only thinks about money. And they get onto the topic of insurance. And Jerry Lawler states, not even Lloyds of London would insure this. To which JR (laughs) responds, I don't know. Sometimes they are pretty stupid. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which is obviously a little dig at the company that uh, gave numerous wrestlers big payouts to sort of end their career, like Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and and, and so on. Um, big career-ending uh, injuries, and they capitalised on Lloyds of London um, payouts to, to to make quite a bit of money very quickly. Um, uh, it's very, that I very... didn't know about, to be honest. So now you've explained uh, okay. to me, I understand what they're on about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it became a bit of an issue for Rick Rude, especially in, in later years when he was training for a comeback. Because he'd had this Lloyds of London payout, um, he wasn't allowed legally to go back in the ring because he'd had this payout. And he was trying oh, right. to convince Eric Bischoff. He was going to make a comeback with, with WCW. It was also he thought he was training for it. He was going to make uh, th- this effort to return with WCW. And he needed Bischoff or WCW or um, Time Warner to effectively pay off Lloyds of London oh, wow. um, to allow him to return to the ring. Ultimately, he, he, he passed away um, probably roughly a year or so before this show, actually. It was, I think it was December 99. Again, oh, well. don't, don't quote me on this, we'll have to have a look into it, but at the age of around 40. Um, but yeah, It's a lot it, of money to invest in a guy's comeback as well before he's exactly. even done anything in the ring. So is it exactly. really, I mean, you know, Rick Rue's Rick Rue, but is it is it worth, from a company standpoint, even with Ted Turner's checkbook, can you, it's like buying a house for... 20,000 and then trying to, but it's only worth 10. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not saying that's what it would happen, but essentially that's what you're doing. Are you, are you going to make money from this guy enough to warrant paying off 
essentially a big debt or a, a payoff or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're, yeah, you're spot on. And there was there was numerous guys who took out these Lloyd's of London insurance policies, and then effectively suffered injuries that meant they had to retire, whether they were a hundred percent legit, like in Ravishing Rick Rude's case, or they were maybe a little bit exaggerated to get the payout. Um, but again, in, in wrestling, there's so many people who don't don't look after money correctly. So they got the big payout. And then when that money was gone, they had no income and they had to try and find a way to get, to get back in the business, I guess. But that was quite a funny little, little comment by yeah. Jim Ross that and Joe Lauder with, with the context there. Um, Triple H it, early on is bleeding an absolute shed load. He, he's, he's busted open. There's blood everywhere. And he's the first of many that end up bleeding in this match. Um, and then we see, triple a construction coming down to the ring with Vince McMahon <laughs> well a little side note to that that truck you literally see at the beginning of the pay-per-view with Vince McMahon arriving and then we see it a bit later on as well when um Jericho and Kane are out there fighting that little segment they did before they made it back to the ring so that little truck actually makes about three appearances in the oh, entire wow. show <laughs> I'll tell you what, that, that, that is some observation, sir. Well done, because I did not notice that. Because well, the only image I ever remember from this match is the fact we'll get onto it in a second is that truck coming down to the side of the ring. And I remember all that, like, um, what is it like? I don't know what it is, like straw or some sort of uh, bedding. Yeah, like wood I, chippings or something. Yeah, something it? It's like some sort of padding. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like that stuff you would get in like a playground back in the day. And it's like, it looks like wood chippings, but actually it's quite soft sort of mm. surface to land on <laughs> it's weird but yeah, yeah I, but I remember as soon as I watched the show I remember going oh look there's a truck that's going to be out there later <laughs> yeah. saw it again <laughs> later on so when you watch it back you'll know what I mean I'm going to have to have a look for that yeah I didn't notice well, that, that's take, take, take a shot when you see the truck that's what I would say it's just three yeah. shots you'll have at least <laughs> um, the, the, the truck uh, is secured by Vince McMahon to the cell in the theory that he's going to try and pull the cell down, which which I think is quite amusing in the way that his his concern he was saying was people's safety, and now these guys are wrestling in this cage that he's trying to rip down with a truck. Um, on top of it, at this point, when he was trying to rip it apart, I can't remember. I know he ripped the door yet. off. No, no okay, not yet. Because he initially first. ties it. It's initially chained to the door, so when the truck moves, it pulls the door off, and that's how the guys get out the ring. Um, they then back it up and secure the chains to the cell itself before Mick Foley's music hits. He comes down and, and gets rid of McMahon and Briscoe and Patterson and, and all those guys. But the damage effectively has already been done. The truck's left at ringside. The door is no longer there. So the guys are spilling out the ring. Triple H comes staggering out, looking like an extra from a zombie movie, completely <laughs> destroyed, covered in blood, not knowing where he is. Austin follows him and you get a cool little spot out in the entranceway where Austin grabs a, a camera on a big um, a big boom arm. Is that the correct term for it? I think a, so, a, yes. A, a, yeah, a big, yeah. yeah, a big crane, yeah, and it, swings yeah. it into Triple H, and, which is quite a, quite a cool little spot. I enjoyed that. Um, but you get some, some big hits, some big bumps out at this entranceway. There's lots of um, all scrap cars surrounding yes, yeah. the entranceway on the stage set, isn't there? And you have people getting banged into it and slammed on it and austin's face gets put through a window and all sorts doesn't it i know the cars are only basic in a sense of uh, like set decoration but i do miss set decorations because you don't have it very much anymore and it's very much led screens now as cool as they look and they do you know going back to pay views like backlash in 2000 you have the big swinging like um, metal arms and stuff at the entrance and just you know i mean okay they still go big with like you don't see like decent like set designs anymore because it's all leds which i get 
is less time to set up in terms of building it, I would assume. But it's, you know, I mean, at the moment they can't do that because of the pandemic and everything and Thunderdome and all that kind of stuff. But put a bit of effort into the set design. They've made some great stuff in the past. So I just, I miss that. So seeing the cars, I know, again, basic, but made good use of the, you know, the barrels and stuff, obviously, earlier with the uh, Kane-Jericho match and then obviously now the cars in this match. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even going back a little bit further, and with WCW as well, you look at something like Bash at the Beach, and you had yeah. when it wasn't when it was in an arena Halloween as Havoc opposed as well. to being at a beach, and, and you had the, the sand and so on in the yeah Halloween Havoc, yeah, spot on with the massive pumpkins yeah. and all sorts. I think it really sets aside and tone as well. I think as well, it distinguishes the sto- st- distinguishes the shows from each other because. Yeah. Now you can look at Raw. Okay, Raw and SmackDown set, I believe, is slightly different. But you look at the pay-per-view sets; they're pretty much the same with all these big LEDs. Again, impressive. But, but if, unless you can read the logo, whether it's Hardness Arm Money in the Bank or whatever, you, they look very samey, you know. And it yeah. would just be nice to have something, you know, even down to just having the ladder set up at the uh, ringside or not ringside. Sorry, at the entrance, you know, if it's if Money in the Bank, just little things that they probably still do a little bit of. But generally, it seems to be very much an led screen and it's like yeah, a lack of imagination i think sometimes yeah definitely definitely invented reality bloody roman reigns is being projected onto the screen that nobody can <sighs> see like, okay there's no crowd there at the moment but uh, to a degree i get it but for the home audience but you know yeah no i, I completely even agree the rock, know, just a bit of effing yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Sorry, a bit of a rant off subject. No, again, no, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I think it was so much better back when they were doing things like that. And it does make yes. each event, even I suppose what you'd refer to as a, a lesser pay-per-view, it's not one of the big four, like an Armageddon or a Backlash, as you mentioned. It makes it feel a bit more special because you are getting something different that you don't see on any other event. Day, I yeah, completely agree with you, yeah. 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 It's a shame, really, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... Okay, I mean, looking back at the match, we've got everyone effectively bleeding by this stage. Um, <laughs> Austin's had his face rammed through the truck window. Um, there's, there's chair shots left and right. Um, some of them incredibly vicious. Again, looking back with, with 2020 vision and knowing what we know now, some of these chair shots that um, I think Kurt Angle takes one by from The Undertaker. No, sorry, the other way around. Sorry, um, The Undertaker takes one from Kurt Angle. Um, just, just absolutely. It makes me cringe now, knowing what we know now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there is one that where I think it is Kurt Angle hitting Taker on top of the cell, and he absolutely. Oh no! Wait, Taker hitting Angle. Yes, because um, I remember the blood being on the um, the chair because where Kurt was already bleeding. And but the shot itself, whether it was where they were stood in the arena, but it echoed and it sounded quite hard. And I'm like, yeah. Ooh. Like you said, like knowing what we know now with the whole concussions and stuff, it's um, it's quite hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, damn. isn't it? I'll quote Ron but, Simmons, yeah. damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, eventually, we end up with the guys climbing the cage, reaching the top of the cell, and then some of them coming back down again, and we end up with The Undertaker and Rikishi up there. And, and then the big spot, I suppose, that the crowd uh, are waiting for after all the talk of the previous matches and big spots that people took, Rikishi goes off the top of the cell onto the flatbed of the truck that has been left ringside. That looked um, painful. I'm not going to that even with all that stuff in there. That looked horrific. <laughs> yeah, and and he, and, he, and he did not move. He sold it like he was dead. It was just like the, the sound when he. I mean, let's be honest. Rikishi's not 
a small chap oh, and he's no. hit this he's he's fallen quite away and he's hit this th- th- this flatbed of this truck and and then of course you get the ooh from the crowd uh, and, and the reaction there and it's, it's the stunt everybody wanted to see, I guess. Um, but what, what a visual is, that yeah. was. Yeah. I, still, I must have seen that clip. Probably not as much as Mankind being thrown off the top and going through the subsequent, you know, sell after. But um, it's very much, um, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it that looked like... And I don't believe he was on Raw the next night either because of that fall. I don't know whether... Again, they always tell you that somebody's hurt themselves, they're in hospital or whatever. You don't know how much to believe in wrestling or whether they're just having the night off to recover. But I can imagine, not just Rikishi, probably Rikishi out of everybody else, but um, them feeling rather sore the next day, especially waking up in the morning. But uh, I think Rikishi, I don't think, appeared on Raw the next night. Um, I don't know when he reappeared again, but yeah, I can't imagine him appearing the next night, definitely. Yeah, yeah, quite a long way to drop. Um Back in the ring, we have a near fall on Kurt Angle by The Rock that the crowd pop huge for. He hits The Rock bottom, and it's it's almost like everyone's thinking The Rock is going to win the title here. Um, really convincing near fall. Obviously, I knew the outcome going into the match, watching it back, yes, but even yeah. I was a little bit like one, two, oh, watching well, were, it back on this occasion. They were quite clever with the whole Rock and Austin because they hadn't really touched each other in that match until that moment where they're like the only two in the ring almost and it was a yeah. very cool and the crowd realizing that now you've got rock and austin about to go at it as well as even though you've got like all these other guys in the ring and or around the ring and been in the match so far it, they hadn't actually put these two together and even knowing what i know about their history i didn't pick up on that until they looked at each other in that moment i was like, oh that's really cool and it was a nice uh, yeah. little moment you know so and, and you get the reaction from the crowd and everything sort of builds and uh, what yes. a great, great rivalry between those two. So many moments up to this point. And, and from here at WrestleMania 17, Survivor Series 2001, WrestleMania 19, so many more to come as well. Two, yes, two, yeah. Uh, so lucky to live through an era where we've got two absolute stars like this at yeah. the same time. Well, WrestleMania 19 obviously being Austin's last last yes. match, wasn't it? Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time, but uh, it was his last match. Um and not, you know, obviously, what we know about that night as well—the night before Austin was in hospital—you uh-huh. <laughs> know, so that match only didn't happen. So, yeah, yeah, very true, very true. And, and we get to the finish as well, then, don't we? With uh, Austin hits a stunner on the Rock, which again gets a huge reaction from, from the crowd. <laughs> rock selling of the stunner. Oh is... my word! Yeah, the sort of standard flipping around, fish out of water look yeah. going on there. <laughs> it's probably Definitely. the best way. To... Um, but then you know. It's, certain distractions and things happen and we end up with Kurt Angle making the cover on the on the rock instead of Austin to retain his championship yeah because I think Austin yeah Angle's already down I think Austin stuns rock is it does a stupid uh, yeah I say stupid rock sells it really well but then he also has that little leg flip at the end which is a bit too much for me but it's funny to see (laughs) Uh, Triple H gets back in the ring and then Austin goes to stunner him but Triple H very expertly turns it into a net breaker, which I haven't seen one of those for a while. And then obviously angle, like you said, crawls over to, um, to, to rock with his arm barely on him, against the one, two, three. Um, and you know what? I didn't, even though knowing who won, <laughs> even knowing who won the match, I still didn't want him to win the match, but you know what? I was like, fair play. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you had a great moment afterwards as well. I suppose it's that adage of send the crowd home. Happy. Uh, Kurt Angle celebrating with his championship, looking, uh, you know, beaten up as he should do in a match of this. Far away, look in his eye. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, and you get completely out of nowhere, I suppose, to coin a, a phrase from later on in wrestling. Austin stuns him at the end of the show. Um, and that's how we go off air. Yeah. I, the main event to me was fantastic. I, I, so much talent and a great stipulation in the cell when cell matches mattered. And it wasn't a big red monstrosity. It was a proper Hell in a Cell contest. Oh, yeah. It doesn't need to be. I always felt Hell in a Cell, you know, maybe this was a slight exception, but was meant for, it's almost like the, uh, you know, the adage of you do a singles match, the rivalry continues, you might do a two out of three fours match or like a last man standing match or something, and then to finish off the rivalry, do a cage match. So Hell in a Cell to me was almost the ultimate rival finisher finishing you know match to a degree but it's because you have one every year guaranteed it's lost its edge i think yeah yeah very true and i suppose you get other aspects as well i mean a, a couple of years after this um yeah just shy of two years after this at survivor series 2002 we have the invention of the elimination chamber we've still got ordinary cage matches knocking around um it, it gets watered down when these things are done too often this this yes. is at an era when the cell was still, if you said hell in a cell, it was still, ooh. You well, know? The, reaction, the reaction, if you can find the SmackDown, I think it's the SmackDown that uh, Mick Foley announces it, the pop from the crowd is, yeah. uh, is, is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, then. I mean, that, and that, I suppose, covers Armageddon 2000. And um, a bit more. Uh, yeah, and a bit and more. And a bit more. Um, <laughs> Uh, 20 years ago to the day of the release of this podcast. Um, it's crazy that it's been 20 years since that aired. Oh, it, it really is. Incredible, incredible. Um, I always try and summarise the pay-per-view with effectively a, a grade, a school grade. I mean, to me, the undercard was obviously forgettable by the way that I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not taking anything away from anybody on the card, but yes, it was. Yeah, uh, it, this was very much a one-match show, even though um, Hardcore Holly and Regal was entertaining, and the Jericho Kane match had its moments. To me, this is very much a one-match show. Um, the whole undercard, I could, I could happily not see again. Um, so, from that viewpoint, I think it, it, it scores quite low. But the main event drags it up for me the main event is a fantastic contest with some incredible talent to me overall with the main event dragging it up a touch i think this is a, this is a b minus show for me what what are your thoughts now i was back on this event um do you know what i think that's a fair a fair i might go as far as a b so just up without the minus just because of the Hal in the Cell, as you said if you were to rate it with just the the you know the card not without the main event then um, it's probably quite easily a C minus, even a D, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. But with that, and you know, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I maybe a bit, maybe we're a bit biased being Englishman, but um, the whole Regal match was that was quite a nice match as well, to be fair. Um, but I think B minus is a fair is a fair assessment of that, to be totally honest. Um, I might just slip it just a B, just without the minus, just, and I mean literally. It can be, it's very B minus, very close. It's like right next to yours, basically. Oh, I get <laughs> so I I'll go with a B, I think. Okay. Because you got, well, there we you got go. Rikishi getting, really killing himself, you know? Well, that's, <laughs> so, yeah, very You true. know, you got to have true. that. So I'll take the minus off and give it a B. <laughs> Just for Rikishi nearly, nearly killing Rikishi, himself. Rikishi, yeah. You know, then, you know, he's got two good sons in the, in the business at the moment as well. So, you know, they're doing pretty well at the minute. So, no worries. Okay, Ben, um, before I let you go, and again, thank you very, very much for joining me this afternoon to 
to look back on this old pay-per-view with me. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Um, Before I let you go, could you run through all your social medias and let everyone know where they can find your show that is is a fantastic listen? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, So on Twitter, and if you type in it on Facebook as well, but it's on Twitter, it's at Benny Mac, B-E-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K. The reason there's three N's in it, um, which we'll see by the design, the, the middle N of the N's is a bigger one. <laughs> there's a whole story behind that, but I'll tell you that another time. Okay. Um, it's basically somebody already taken it, so but there's three N's in it. So Benny Mac is in a it's a it's a, a play on my actual name. Um, but yeah, if you type in the uh, the Benny Mac show on Facebook, same again with three N's, you, it'll come up with my logo um, quite easily. Um, Anybody wants to support me on Patreon, that'd be great. And that's just patreon.com forward slash Benny Mac. Again, B-E-Triple-M-Y-M-A-C-K. <laughs> I say this so often, I say it that quickly. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you can give me a follow and then, I mean, you can listen to the show. I was looking today. I didn't even realize it was actually out on so many platforms, but like in the UK, especially you can do like on Spreaker. That's my main platform, but it's on iTunes. It's on, uh, it's not quite there yet, but by the time this airs, I'm hoping for it to be on Amazon. So you can listen to it on your Alexa. Hopefully I haven't set your Alexa off by saying Alexa. No, I'm shut, I'm shut away <laughs> upstairs, remember. I'm away from all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe your listeners might get it set off. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's on CastBox. It's on loads of different platforms. It's on Spotify as of uh, as we record this as of yesterday as well. So it can be found on pretty much the most popular sort of um, platforms. But obviously, as I said, with the Patreon stuff, you get extras that I am currently working on. There are videos like your episode where Sai came on. That that episode was available straight away, ad free, um, uh, for minimal cost, really, to be honest. But um, obviously, it is available to listen to wherever these podcasts are on. So, like I said, iTunes, or Spotify, they're probably the two biggest ones. Um, so you can listen for free. But you might have to endure a few adverts. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Okay, um, again, thank you very, very much for for taking the time to speak with me today. I'd love to have you back on sometime in the future to look back again at some some other events and and review Absolutely. retro wrestling. I guess I could basically cover pretty much anything from two thousand up to roughly you know on and off a little bit up till now, really, because I've dib in and out like like most people do these days. But um, two thousand two thousand one is probably my uh, my favorite. Obviously, I know we've spoke about it off air, but like the invasion era. I know a lot of people who are probably more of a fan than I was back then because they watched other promotions, but I liked the Invasion era. So like, that's a whole <laughs> segment we could do, if not more, mate, to be honest. so Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thank you very much for having me on, bud. I, much, I very much appreciate it. No, no. Again, thank you for joining me. I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.